0: Good evening. Good evening. Wherever you are tonight, the Lord Jesus Christ, by his Spirit, is right where you are. And in this room this evening, we have more than two or three. And the Lord promised, where two or three of you have gathered in my name, there I would be in the middle of the circle, I would be in the midst of you. Miraculously, amazingly, through the technology that the Lord has blessed us to participate with and participate in, we we really are able to connect with each other, even though physically you may be by yourself. You're, You're not spiritually by yourself. And the fact that we've been able to sing together, to lift up his name together, and we're going to open his word together to celebrate the truth of what this evening is all about, how great it is to know within our hearts that we are a part of a family. We, we are not an island unto ourselves, but some way, somehow God in his great mercy is blending us, connecting us, making us a part of one another. And somehow we just feel it. We just, we just sense that we're not alone and that, that's how it's supposed to be. So welcome tonight, bless you. I want to encourage you to uh, to find your copy of the Scripture. Those of you who are at home, if you'll just just um, take a minute and go, if you need to, go into your bedroom and and find your Bible. And those of us here in this room, we're going to be doing the same thing. And I, I want you to turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter one, and we're going to do what Paul instructed Timothy to do: give attention to the public reading of scripture. And we're going to read down through the account of the announcement from Gabriel to Mary of what was about to happen to her. And then we're going to read on into chapter two and how that that angelic choir just lit the heavens up and they, they shouted praises that 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 came from the throne room that came from heaven itself and were 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 shouted out into the hearing of those of those shepherds and then they went and found that baby and found that that young young probably a teenage mother named Mary and Joseph the physical husband so will you will you get your copy of the scripture and and let me do the reading out loud, but, but you follow along in your copy. And maybe you can gather your children around or as a, as a husband and wife sit next to each other and share your copy of the Word. But let's, let's step back into our, our union with all the generations before us in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ as we remember what the Lord did on this amazing night so many years ago. This is Luke chapter 1 and verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he, the angel, said to her, Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she who was called barren, is now in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. Could we repeat that together out loud? For nothing will be impossible with God. One more time. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said... Behold the bondslave of the Lord, be it done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now turn over a page or two in your copy of the scripture and find Luke chapter 2. Now it came about in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all were proceeding to register for the census, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. And it came about that while they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. And she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. And in the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. And the angel said to them, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of a great joy, which shall be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. And it came about when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds began saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came in haste, and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen just as had been told them. What was happening? What was happening with this baby being born and this baby being wrapped in, in cloths? The word there is, is, is literally rags, shreds, Of material indicating that this baby wasn't born into a rich family, that the the mother and father in this setting didn't even have enough to buy fitting clothes for a newborn. It could have been to an extent that they had been surprised by the arrival time, but when the time came, they just had to do the best they could do because they were poor, because they were common. They were ordinary. Joseph came from from David's lineage, but but way back yonder, the, the financial benefit of being a part of David's lineage had ceased to exist. They knew each other. They loved each other. They were very young they were very poor, they were very ordinary, and yet God in heaven picked them out to be the setting into which the greatest gift that the human race would ever know would be given to and be blessed by this baby's presence in their home. Uh, th- this is... a. Uh, This is a striking statement, this description of the baby and then how the baby was wrapped and then where the wrapped baby was placed in a manger, in a feed trough. Sometimes we could say, Lord, couldn't you have done better? I mean, if this is your only begotten son and he's coming to this earth, couldn't you have made the plans a little smoother? Couldn't you have made it a little more pronounced in the sense that this is God. This is God's own son. This is God in the flesh coming. And yet it just seemed to be so obscure. Had it not been for the angels appearing to the shepherds, this event could have been virtually unknown except only to Joseph and Mary. Folks. It's as if the Lord is wanting us to say, by the way, he did this. He doesn't need rich people. He he doesn't need fancy clothes. He, He doesn't need lofty pedigrees to do what he wants to do. It's as if he does it specifically this way so that he would know even if you're poor as well as if you have plenty. The baby who is born here has applicable love and mercy and favor and kindness for you wherever you are in your station in life. Whether you don't have a penny, whether you don't have two red cents to run together, or whether you have so much that you can't even count, it doesn't matter. The baby came, and the baby was born to such a common Such a plain, such an ordinary couple that there is no human on the face of the earth that could miss the benefit of this gift, of this gift. He he could have, God could have sent a warrior. Why, why, Why a baby? The Lord could have sent a warrior with a drawn sword. The Lord could have sent a reincarnate of Elijah or or Elisha or or, or Moses to come again. But he sent a baby, not a warrior. He sent a baby, not the son of an earthly monarch or religious leader. What, what What was going on here? I want you to find, if you would, just quickly, and you want you to know that this is in your copy of the Scripture because it, it is a, it's, a, it, it's the Bible's treatment of Bethlehem and what happened on that night. Titus chapter 3 and verse 4, Paul writes, But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, He saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, He saved us, not on the basis of all the right stuff that we think we've done or wish we had done, but haven't stacked up enough to really be sure that it's enough to get our sins forgiven and for God to smile upon us. When he came, he didn't come to save us on the basis of church attendance, upon how much money we've given to charities, on how much Bible we can know or he can quote. He came and he rescued us on the basis of his mercy. His mercy, his undeserved kindness toward us. Now when it says here, but when God our Savior appeared and his love for mankind is demonstrated, it, it literally is saying Jesus didn't come out of heaven and into the form of a baby because God was mad. Because God was ticked with the human race. Because God saw you coming and, and he, he, had to, he just knew you were going to be a mess or I was going to be a mess. And so he just, he just had a fit and, and sent something that would be judgment and it would be, it would be vengeful. God knew exactly what he was getting when he got you. When he called you and he called me, it was something that word, but when the kindness of God our Savior appeared, it has, it, it's a word that means that there was an attraction in the heart of God for people. For people. People who hadn't changed their language. People who hadn't straightened up. People who hadn't done anything different than what they'd done. But there was innate within the heart of the Lord A love for people. A a desire to have a relationship with people. Here's what was going on when that baby was born. It meant that God would come out of heaven and into a human form. And a human form that could talk to people. that, that, that That could hug people. That could pick up children. That could speak words of encouragement to people. It wasn't because he was mad at you that Jesus was born. It was because he had a soft spot in his heart for you before you were ever born, and he sent Jesus as the expression of that kind heart. Paul would write in another place, it is the goodness and the kindness of God that leads a man, leads a person to Repentance we can stack all the rules up and all the lists of what we're supposed to be doing right and, and all the penalties for the things if we do things wrong. And it's amazing how that seems to have no more effect on us than just driving us away from where we ought to be. But I tell you what happens when that, it drops 18 inches out of your head and into your heart, that even if you never changed... Even if you never went to church, even if you never straightened up, there would still be in the heart of Almighty God a heart of love for you and a desire to call you back to him. And so he sends his son and he tells, he tells Gabriel to tell Mary, you tell her what this baby's name is going to be. His name is going to be Jesus because his name is going to mean rescuer savior deliverer it's as if and it's so true the lord knew the messes that we would get in that's why we didn't he knew we didn't need just another teacher We didn't need just another judge or someone who would be vengeful against us. We would need somebody who could come down into the lives that we live and in the messes that entrap us and that his heart, his strength, his power would rescue us, would pick us up and out. But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, that's what was going on in Bethlehem. And the rest of what would happen through the life of Jesus would be that he would grow up without any sin. His his blood would be spotless, so that when he would go to the cross in his 33rd year and he would die for the sins of the world, the price that he would pay would be enough to satisfy the spiritual law that the wages of sin is death. Apart from shedding of blood, there's no covering for sin. But Jesus the scripture would say, took our sins in his body and he went up the tree, up up Calvary. He was nailed to the cross. He died on the cross. He paid the price. Not because we demanded that he should do it or that we could force him anyway to do it. He did it because he wanted to. He did it because it came from a heart of love for you and for me. He went to the cross. Nobody made him go to the cross. He went to the cross because he wanted to go to the cross. He saw you and me coming and knew we would need a rescuer. And his heart was to bless. His heart was to restore. His heart would be to take us further than we could ever be on our own. I I want to remind you of a verse. This is in Psalm 37. A further expression of the Lord's heart for you tonight, wherever you are, whatever's going on in your life. David writes, this is Psalm 35, 27, let them shout for joy and rejoice who favor my vindication. And let them say continually, the Lord be magnified who delights in the prosperity of his servant. The Lord be magnified who delights in the prosperity of his servant. The next chapter, Psalm 37, will say, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of his heart. You know, one of the main reasons that Jesus came to be our Savior. It was that we would be forgiven of our sins and, and we'd be, that would be lifted off of us and heaven would be our home. But he also came for the purpose of rescuing us from the cheap shots of the world, that the cheap substitutes for God's best that he has in mind in our lives, that he delights to prosper His people. We we get one-dimensional with that word, prosper, and we think only in terms of dollar signs, but it's not hard to find ones who have plenty of dollar signs but have miserable lives. This is about the kind of prosperity that is about the heart being full and satisfied and rich with joy. It, 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 it has to do with, yes, financial provisions being made, even, even financial abundance in great ways. But it's more than that. It, it, it's, it's having a life that the people you care about love you back and are not trying to check out on you. They, they want to be with you and you want to be with them. And there's a, there's a sense of growing and a sense of enjoying, a sense of being together, but, but also that sense of individual. Nourishment and that, sense, that that individual sense of expanding and growing. I want to I, I want to tell you a story quickly, and then I want to show you something before we go. My family is is not here tonight, and and it was mainly because I, I asked them to just stay home. They're they're watching um, our, our streaming broadcast and wanting to be be careful with regard to the. to to the COVID um, situation. Um, So they're they're not not here, but I I, I know they're listening and I know they're watching. I I, want to just mention that that two years ago, our family, we have have three children. All three are married. Abby's married to Ryan. Katie's married to Adam. Evan's married to Aaron. And they live uh, from Dallas to Austin to Pleasanton. And Shirley and I are here in San Antonio. Two years ago, we realized that the, the three younger heads of households were in places of, of professional challenge, if you will. The, the, the jobs that they had, the places that they worked, were it, it was it was safe and there was employment and there were there were things that, that they could continue to do, but there was a there was an an unsettleness in the hearts of the, those young men, uh, as well as, of course, with, with their wives. And so we, Abby encouraged us to just get, to, get the book by Bill Batterson about Pray the Circles. And, and so as a, as, a, as a family, we started that. And you've heard me tell this story, those of you who have been part of Alamo City for a while. We, we did that 40-day prayer challenge two years ago. Just, just our, our three kids, their spouses, and Shirley and I. And we, we laid out the things that that were of concern that we wanted to be praying about and so forth and 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 we did and we we committed to that for those 40 days and and we prayed specifically over job situations and settings and and um, at that time we had we had one grandson two years later we got a total of three grandsons thank you Lord and um, and two years later each of those young men are in places of of employment that are not just jobs and not just paychecks coming in, but they're engaged in things that are gripping them that they seem to really enjoy. Adam is in, in Austin is a, has become a part of a, a wonderful startup group in a real estate area that focuses on the digital way of doing that. Um, Evan and, and Aaron and in, in, uh, Potet have been a part of the family business there, been able to expand into another location in Hondo. Ryan and Abby in Dallas had a unique situation working in their hearts. Ryan had worked for the Hunt Sports Group, uh, the Hunt family that owns the Kansas City Chiefs, for several years. But was just wondering: is is this is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Is there is there more that that, that I'm supposed to be involved in? Should my sights be beyond what I'm looking at right now? And so we we just we, we prayed about those things. Well. <laughs> Lo and behold, let me show you something. Inside this lit box, and it's got lights, and Lord don't let me drop this thing. This is this is the bona fide Kansas City Chief Super Bowl ring from the Super Bowl last year. It has Ryan's name inside it. It has 30 gazillion diamonds and rubies, and every little thing has a, has a meaning. He brought it down, he brought it down uh, from Dallas under armed guard. And uh, so I'm hoping that our policeman will help escort me to the car when, I, when we get done here. I've never seen anything like it. It feels like it weighs about five pounds, like that. What it does though, is that it represents as far as you can go up in the sports world, particularly with the National Football League. Two years ago, two years ago, as we were praying with Ryan and Abby about what was going on in their lives. The prayer was not God, would you give them a Super Bowl ring? Would you cause the the Kansas City Chiefs to to, to win the world? It was just Lord, whatever you want, however you wanna bless Ryan and Abby, however you wanna bless Adam and Katie, however you wanna bless Evan and Aaron, we're just asking you to do what's in your heart to do for them. And I'm telling you folks, And I'm holding this ring up here to tell you, God knows how to thrill you. He knows how to bless you. He knows how to honor hard work. He knows how to honor dreams that he's put within you. It doesn't mean that forever the peasant girl Mary and the peasant teenage father, in a sense, Joseph, would always be at that place in their lives. But because God saw something in their hearts that he wanted to bless, he did bless them in time and gave them that amazing gift of Jesus. Jesus isn't going to be reborn physically in family units anymore. But I'll tell you, what the Lord by his Spirit is able to do is to put a dream in your heart. To plant a vision in your heart. The the, the Hunt family, they they know the Lord. They they love the Lord. If you you heard Clark Hunt respond when they won the Super Bowl and, and even things leading up to that, he was saying, We just give, unapologetically, we just give all the glory to the Lord, to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, they would be, they'd be walking around the field at our head stadium before the games would start praying, Lord, we're not asking you to let us win, but we're asking you to let us play our best. We're asking you to let us do what we do to honor you. It's not saying that everybody in the Kansas City Chiefs organization is a Sunday school teacher, you know, or that everybody has got everything teetotaling right and everything. But the let's, folks, listen. If you've got to wait until you get everything cleaned up and exactly right before you expect God to show you some kind of kindness or favor, you're going to be waiting to the grave and beyond. He knows how to bless his people. Remember that story about, about Peter and, and how he hadn't, he hadn't come to the Lord yet, though he'd seen all those people healed in his own backyard and, and miracles were happening in other places. But it, it, it was you're doing good for them, God. That's good. But it wasn't until Jesus got in his boat, pushed off in the deep water, put the net down in the same water that they'd fished in all night and hadn't caught a minnow. And then all of a sudden the nets filled up and he looked at Jesus and he said, depart from me, Lord, because I'm a sinful man. It was when the Lord blessed his socks off that Simon Peter, that he came to be the leader of the disciples it was only then, by way of a blessing, by way of an undeserved favor, that the man's heart was turned toward Christ. I'm, I'm holding this, this Super Bowl ring up. I showed it to somebody today, and immediately the man said, that's a copyright, or that, that, that's, that's fake, right? And I said, no, sir, it isn't fake. <laughs> It's, it's the real deal. It's the same ring that Andy Reid puts on. It's the same ring that Clark Hunt puts on and Patrick Mahomes puts on. It's the same one. Somehow we feel like that the journey to this spot started around our dining room table two years ago, praying, God, whatever you want for these young men and for our, for our family, would you just bless us with that, whatever you want. And it's amazing how he has the ability to blow your hat in the creek, folks. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desire of your heart. This Christmas season, we, we, we lift our hearts and praise up unto the Lord, and we thank Him for what He's done, but we're thanking Him not only that He has forgiven us and that we're washed and we're cleansed and, and the power of the enemy to lie to us and successfully take us off into places we need to be. that that's, that's being broken and we're being changed, and light and life is coming into our hearts. but it also means that He is rescuing us from the cheap shots of the enemy that will keep trying to say to you, "You're nothing." You're nothing. You can't ever mount anything. You won't ever be like, you may start it, but you're going to quit. The enemy is a liar. He knows how to lie, but Jesus is the truth. And his heart is to bless, his heart is to rescue, his heart is to keep us on track when we're not even capable on our own to do that. Amen. So Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. We, you know, th- this, this is going to be, you know, I, they're not going to leave it. It's, gonna, it. it's in our house, and it'll be there, and, and Ryan and Abby will take it back home with them. But I just needed to show you this Christmas present. This is something that the Lord, we feel like, has given to our family, and those many of you prayed as we were working our way through that last season. Lord, will you just honor yourself, honor your name by folks who love you and want to honor you as you would bless, as you would see fit that chief's organization. Now, if you're a Dallas Cowboys fan or you're a Houston Texan fan or you're a Denver Broncos fan, I, I, you know, I'm just sorry. I, I, you know, we, we, we don't have the connection with you that we do with the Chiefs. So, so maybe next year, maybe next year. Now, we're going to close this time together with a brother, or just a dear, dear, dear part of the Alamo City family for so many years. And, and God has just given him something to pray as we close this Christmas Eve service and as we embark upon a brand new year. And, and so I want you to, to join me as we just bow our hearts uh, together with, with Pastor Jerry Smith as he comes to pray for us. And when, when Jerry is finished, then we're, we're done and hope you'll have a wonderful time with your own family this evening and that we'll sense the presence of this, this living Savior, a baby but grew up, became the man, became the one who died for our sins, but is the one who has been raised and is alive and is able to fill us today, tonight with his presence, with his blessing. Amen. brother I, right, First of
1: all, I just want to say thank you for that Christmas present, David. It means so much to me. Because, see, while they walk around the field just praying they'll play, pray their best, I'm praying they'll just absolutely demolish the other team. So I'm a Kansas City Chiefs fan forever and ever and ever. And this is a memory that I saw first 50 years ago in Vietnam. I watched it obviously on this old reel to reel, but I'm gonna tell you something. This is a memory, right? It's just a memory. It's just something that you can look at back on and you can go, wow, that's a great moment, wasn't it? That's was a great moment in time. You're a chief sin for you out there watching on TV. Hey, listen, it was a great time, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. But remember this. There was a greater moment in history that's ever occurred, Mm -hmm. and that's when Jesus, Christ the Savior, was born. Mm -hmm. So this is a rich memory. But you know what? That's not going to last for eternity. Mm. That gift he gave that night to each of us didn't know what he was getting. I love when David says that because I'm thinking, you know, Lord, I'm really glad of that because you certainly didn't know what, you, you know, me. But you know what? He loves you. I'm a grandfather. I had a chance today to spend time with my grandkids. One group, I had to just say hi. It was a drive-by drop-off for presents for Christmas. The other one, they've all had COVID. They've all been through it. Three of them, I got to actually hug a neck of one of my kids. So you see, this is a joyful time. And I want to pray specifically, specifically for those of you that are just going to have an absolutely. And you kids out yonder, listen to me. It's almost here. It's almost here. That time of those presents, that time family, good food. And we're grateful for that, aren't we? Because you're going to make a memory in the morning with people that love you and that you love and with other family members. But you know what? Kiddos, it's important to remember that sometimes we have other memories at this time of the season and grown-ups. Maybe you've lost a loved one. Maybe it's their first Christmas in heaven. Maybe you're missing them. Maybe you're a widow. Or you're a widow where you still have joy. You haven't been left alone. He's with you. You see, I know what it's like. Lord, we know what it's like to feel joyful, to feel so excited. We can just hardly wait to get up in the morning. And Lord, I pray that you would bless by your spirit around that table, around that tree, whatever's going on, and all the people that stay up all night, Christ, <laughs> doing work, doing work, that you'd just bless them with amazing joy that would last just. Like Jesus. And Lord, I pray for those. And Lord, I confess I'm one of these. Christmas can be hard. Maybe you've got a son that you haven't heard a word from in eight years. And you don't know if he's alive or dead. Maybe you've got a loved one like that. I do. It's my son. I know what it's like, Lord, to be a single dad and to joyfully look forward to Christmas and to do the best I can for my kids. But it never seems enough. But Jesus is enough. He's all that you need. You see, you can have joy if you've been divorced. I've been there, too. But his joy lasts. The memory, the gift of his son Jesus. You're not alone. He's there. He's there. He had never been gone. So this can be a precious memory too. Sometimes the memories of the way it used to be can be the only thing we can hold on to anymore. But we thank you, God. Thank you for the joy of knowing you. We can be grateful in the morning, whether we get a present or we don't get anything, whether we feel like we're alone or we got a surrounded bunch of people that, quite frankly, you're just looking forward to getting it over with. But, Lord, it's your joy that's everlasting, it's your peace. That's uncompromising. And it's your grace that we do not deserve. But you gave it to us. and his name. And in his name. And by his name. We say and we pray to you. In the name of Jesus. The Christ of Nazareth. Amen and amen. God bless you and have a Merry Christmas in Jesus' name. Amen.